section four of a history of our own times volume three by justin mccarthy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter thirty one transportation part two the colonists however made up their minds at last in most places and would not have any more of our convicts only in western australia were the people willing to receive them on any conditions and western australia had but scanty natural resources and could in any case harbour very few of our outcasts the discovery of gold in australia settled the question of those colonies being troubled any more with our transportation system for the greatest enthusiast for transportation would hardly propose to send out gangs of criminals to a region glowing with the temptations of gold there were some thoughts of establishing a convict settlement on the shores of the gulf of carpenteria on the north side of the great australian island some such scheme was talked of at various intervals it always however broke down on a little examination one difficulty alone was enough to dispose of it effectually it was impossible after the revelations of the committee of the house of commons to have a convict settlement of men alone and if it was proposed to found a colony where were the women to come from were respectable english and irish girls to be enticed to go out and become the wives of convicts what statesman would make such a proposal the wildest projects were suggested let the convicts marry the savage women one ingenious person suggested unfortunately in the places thought most suitable for a settlement there happened to be no savage women let the convict men be married to convict women said another philosopher but even if any colonial minister could have been found hardy enough to approach parliament with a scheme for the foundation of a colony on the basis of common crime it had to be said that there were not nearly enough of convict women to supply brides for even a tolerable proportion of the convict men another suggestion it is only necessary to mention for the purpose of showing to what lengths the votaries of an idea will go in their effort to make it fit in with the actual condition of things there were persons who thought it would not be a bad plan to get rid of two nuisances at once our convicts and a portion of what is euphuistically termed our social evil by founding a penal settlement on some lonely shore and sending out cargoes of the abandoned women of our large towns to be the wives of the present and the mothers of the future colonists when it came to propositions of this kind it was clear that there was an end to any serious discussion as to the possibility of founding a convict settlement as late as eighteen fifty six committees of both houses of parliament declared themselves greatly in favour of the transportation system that is of some transportation system of an ideal transportation system but also recorded their conviction that it would be impossible to carry out the known system any longer the question then arose what was england to do with the criminals whom up to that time she had been able to shovel out of her way all the receptacles were closed but western australia and that counted for almost nothing some prisoners were then and since sent out for a part of their term to gibraltar and bermuda but they were always brought back to this country to be discharged 
so that they may be considered as forming a part of the ordinary class of criminals kept in detention here the transportation system was found to carry evils in its train which did not directly belong to its own organization it had been for a long time the practice of england and scotland to send out to a colony only those who were transported for ten years and upwards and to retain those condemned for shorter periods in the hulks and other convict prisons in these hideous hulks the convicts were huddled together very much as in norfolk island with scarcely any superintendence or discipline and the result was that they became what were called with hardly any exaggeration floating hells it was quite clear that the whole system of our dealings with our convicts must be revised and reorganized in eighteen fifty three the government took a step which has been well described as an avowal that we must take the complete charge of our criminals upon ourselves a bill was brought in by the ministry to substitute penal servitude for transportation unless in cases where the sentence was for fourteen years and upwards the bill reduced the scale of punishment that is to say made a shorter period of penal servitude supply the place of a longer term of transportation lord palmerston was home secretary at this time it was during that curious episode in his career described in a former volume when he adopted if such an expression may be used the business of home secretary in order as he put it to learn how to deal with the concerns of the country internally and to be brought in contact with his fellow countrymen he threw all his characteristic energy into the work of carrying through the measure for the establishment of a new system of secondary punishments it was during the passing of the bill through the house of lords that lord grey suggested the introduction of a modification of the ticket of leave system which was in practice in the colonies the principle of the ticket of leave was that the convict should not be kept in custody during the whole period of his sentence but that he should be allowed to pass through a period of conditional liberty before he obtained his full and unrestricted freedom lord grey also urged that the sentences of penal servitude should correspond in length with the sentences for transportation the government would not accept this latter suggestion but they adopted the principle of the ticket of leave the bill was introduced into the house of lords by lord cranworth the lord chancellor when it came down to the house of commons there were some objection made to the ticket of leave clauses but the government carried them through the effect of the measure was to substitute penal servitude for transportation in all cases except those where the sentence of transportation was for fourteen years and upwards now there can be no doubt that the principle of the ticket of leave is excellent but it proved on its first trial in this country the most utter delusion it got no fair chance at all it was understood by the whole english public that the object of the ticket of leave was to enable the authorities to give a conditional discharge from custody to a man who had in some way proved his fitness for such a relaxation of punishment and that the eye of the police would be on him even during the period of his conditional release this was in fact the construction put on the act in ireland where accordingly the ticket of leave system was worked with the most complete success under the management of sir walter crofton chairman of the board of prison directors the principle was applied exactly as any one might have supposed it would be applied everywhere 
and as indeed the very conditions endorsed on the ticket of leave distinctly suggested the convicts in ireland were kept away from the general community in a little penal settlement near dublin they were put at first to hard monotonous and weary labour they were then encouraged to believe that with energy and good conduct they could gradually obtain relaxation of punishment and even some small rewards they were subjected to a process of really reforming discipline they got their conditional freedom as soon as they had satisfactorily proved that they deserved and were fit for it but even then they had to report themselves periodically to the police and they knew that if they were seen to be relapsing into old habits and old companionships they were certain to be sent back to the penal settlement to begin the hard work over again the result was substantial and lasting reform it was easy for the men who were let out conditionally to obtain employment a man who had sir walter crofton's ticket of leave was known by that very fact to have given earnest of good purpose and steady character the system in ireland was therefore all that its authors could have wished it to be but for some inscrutable reason the act was interpreted in this country as simply giving every convict a right after a certain period of detention to claim a ticket of leave provided he had not grossly violated any of the regulations of the prison or misconducted himself in some outrageous manner in eighteen fifty six sir george grey the home secretary told the house of commons that there never was a more fallacious idea than the supposition that a ticket of leave was a certificate of good character and that a man only obtained such a ticket if he could prove that he had reformed a ticket of leave he went on to explain was indeed withheld in the case of very bad conduct but in any ordinary case the convicts unless they have transgressed the prison rules and acted in such a manner as to incur an unfavourable report from the prison authorities are after a stated period of imprisonment entitled as a matter of course to a ticket of leave it would be superfluous to examine the working of such a system as that which sir george grey described a number of scoundrels whom the judges had sentenced to be kept in durance for so many years were without any conceivable reason turned loose upon society long before the expiration of their sentence they were in england literally turned loose upon society for it was held by the authorities here that it might possibly interfere with the chance of a jailbird's getting employment if he were seen to be watched by the police the police therefore were considerately ordered to refrain from looking after them i knew you once says the hero of a poem by mr browning but in paradise should we meet i will pass nor turn my face the police were ordered to act thus discreetly if they saw bill sykes asking for employment in some wealthy and quiet household they certainly knew him once but now they were to pass or turn their face nothing surely that we know of of the internal arrangements of timbuctoo to adopt the words of sydney smith warrants us in supposing that such a system would have been endured there for a year fifty per cent of the ruffians released on ticket of leave were afterwards brought up for new crimes and convicted over again of those who although not actually convicted were believed to have relapsed into their old habits from sixty to seventy per cent relapsed within the first year of their liberation baron bramwell stated from the bench that he had instances of criminals coming before him 
who had three sentences overlapping each other. The convict was set free on ticket of leave, convicted of some new crime, and recommitted to prison, released again on ticket of leave, and convicted once again before the period of his original sentence had expired. An alarm sprang up in England, and like all alarms it was supported both by exaggeration and misconception. The system pursued with the convicts was bad enough, but the popular impression ascribed to the ticket-of-leave men every crime committed by any one who had been previously convicted and imprisoned. A man who had worked out the whole of his sentence, and who therefore had to be discharged, committed some crime immediately after. Excited public opinion described it as a crime committed by a ticket-of-leave man. Two committees sat, as has already been said, in 1856. The result of the public alarm and the parliamentary consideration of the whole subject was the bill brought in by Sir George Grey in 1857. This measure extended the provisions of the Act of 1853 by substituting in all cases a sentence of penal servitude for one of transportation. It extended the limits of the penal servitude sentences by making them correspond with the terms of transportation to which men had previously been sentenced. It gave power also to pass sentences of penal servitude for shorter periods than were allowed by former legislation, allowing penal servitude for as short a period as three years. It attached to all sentences of penal servitude the liability to be removed from this country to places beyond seas fitted for their reception, and it restricted the range of the remission of sentence. The Act, it will be seen, abolished the old-fashioned transportation system altogether, but it left the power to the authorities to have penal servitude carried out in any of the colonies where it might be thought expedient. The government had still some idea of utilizing Western Australia for some of our offenders, but nothing came of this plan or of the clause in the new act which was passed to favor it, and as a matter of fact, transportation was abolished. How the amended legislation worked in other respects we shall have an opportunity of examining hereafter. Transportation was not the only familiar institution which came to an end in this year. The Gretna Green marriages became illegal in 1857, their doom having been fixed for that time by an act passed in the previous session. Thenceforward, such marriages were unlawful unless one of the parties had lived at least twenty-one days previously in Scotland. The hurried flight to the border, the post-chaise and the panting steeds, the excited lovers, the pursuing father, passed away into tradition. Lydia Languish had to reconcile herself to the license and the blessing, and even the writers of fiction might have given up without a sigh an incident which had grown wearisome in romance long before it ceased to be interesting in reality. End of section 4